I will be reading Psalms 34, 17 through 18. Is anyone crying for help? God is listening, ready to rescue you. If your heart is broken, you'll find God right there. If you've been kicked in the stomach, he'll help you catch your breath. This boy's awesome. Church, open your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Wow, you brought your worship with you to church today. It's awesome to get to sing with you a few moments ago. Parkland is a beautiful town of 23,000 people. It is known for its palm trees and picket fences. It is located on the Atlantic side of the southern tip of Florida's peninsula. Wikipedia writes, Parkland is known for its zoning laws, which are designed to protect the park-like character of its city. That is until February the 14th. That's not what Parkland's known for anymore. You'd have to have just landed from outer space, most likely, to not have heard what changed all of that. Nicholas Cruz, a deeply disturbed 19-year-old young man who took his AR-15 semi-automatic weapon to the high school and began shooting. He didn't stop until 14 teens and three adults were killed and 15 others were injured. I'm afraid that town like that of Sandy Hook and Sutherland Springs I'm afraid Parkland, Florida will sadly forever be connected with two words it wished never would appear on its Wikipedia page, but are there now. Mass shooting. I have two daughters who are teaching in public school who could easily be connected to those two words. I have brothers and sisters here in this auditorium who are teachers and administrators in our public schools here who could easily be connected to those two words. I have young people in this auditorium and others like it all over this town who go to public school who could easily be connected to those two words and whose funerals I could easily be presiding over this week. Mass shootings here, every bit as possible as Parkland. Parkland Superintendent Robert Rooney said, it's just a heartbreaking tragedy that you pray you never, never have to see, and yet we're experiencing it today. And we have experienced it with them this week, haven't we? As I tried to work on the next lesson in our series of lessons from John, a series that I'm calling Life Matters, I couldn't help but think of 17 lives that mattered to so many people. What do we do with another mass shooting in our country and in our hearts? Yet again and so soon we are left struggling with questions connected to senseless violence. The Las Vegas shooting just happened in October. Then one month later in November, just two hours from here, the First Baptist Church in Sutherland Springs, 26 killed there. I don't know about you, but the attacks are taking a toll on my soul. So I've decided, I hope with the Spirit's leading, to postpone dealing with our next text in John to speak to two areas of how we might process this as a church family. I'm sure that you've been doing plenty of processing in your own homes, but I'd like to speak to two areas. The first 
is inside to your hearts. The second is outside to your hands. But even before that, I want to begin by inviting you to pray with me. This is too big a message for me not to ask God to come and be a part of in a very special way. But this prayer that I want to share with you and over you is based from one of David's songs that he, he wrote as he was facing a tragedy very similar to the Parkland tragedy we're facing this week. It's found in Psalms 91. I'm going to use this as an outline for this prayer, and I'm asking you now to bow with me as we pray. Oh, God most high, we come to you for safety, trusting we will be protected by you, the Almighty. We claim you, O oh Lord, as our place of safety and protection. You are our God, and we trust you. Oh, God, you have promised to save us from hidden traps and from deadly diseases. We believe you will cover us with your feathers. It is under your wings that we can hide. Your truth will be our shield and our protection. We will not fear any danger by night or any arrow during the day. We will not be afraid of diseases that come in the dark or sickness that strikes at noon. You, O oh Lord, are our Lord. We have made the God most high our place of safety, trusting you to put your angels in charge of us, to watch over us wherever we go. Father, we beg you this morning to have mercy on the families who have been directly impacted by this tragic shooting in Florida. Please, please have mercy on those who are your hands and feet and who are bringing comfort and are leading others through this difficult time. Please lead us through this difficult time. Not only us this morning, but we join our prayers with those of the United Methodist Church who also cry out to you, please, Please, you stand as the ultimate guard over your unified church. Help us to model for our kids and grandkids what it means to live united, but united courageously. Do not let us fear. Do not, God, please, let fear have the last word in our school hallways or our homes or our churches. We know that in this world, no one's truly safe. But we are in your hands, are totally secure. And only because you hold us. And so we ask that you grant, Father, that we might process this wisely this morning, biblically, truthfully, practically. We do not want to be naive, but we don't want to be paralyzed with dread either. So in the name and the authority of the, the Savior of our world, our lives, Jesus Christ, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Well, contrary to what we had hoped, good people are not exempt from violence. Murderers do not give the godly a pass. Rapists do not vet victims according to spiritual resumes. No, we are not insulated, but neither do we have to be intimidated. Jesus lived himself in a very brutal world, maybe even more so than ours, so it shouldn't be any surprise that he has a few things to say about ours. He said this, do not... Do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Of all the truths that I think Jesus spoke for our benefit, this may be among the most honest and untamed. No, he never promised that his followers would be spared persecution or violence, but he firmly assures us no one can touch our soul. Church, you have Jesus' word on that. We may not be safe, but we are secure. 
securing God's protection of the most lasting part of us, our soul. The part of you that makes you, well, you. The you behind the eyes, the you inside your skin. When you place yourself in God's hands, you are secure. Nothing, Jesus says in John chapter 10 and verse 28, nothing can snatch you out of his sovereign hand. I needed reminding of that this week. And maybe so did you, because unless this is an unusually supernatural crowd, there are some of us who are struggling with the violence that we've been seeing. We're struggling how to make sense of it. We're struggling with how to process it. We're, sp- we're struggling with how to respond to it. I would imagine that the disciples struggled with some of the circumstances Jesus led them into. Matthew records that just prior to the promise we read a few moments ago in Matthew 10, Jesus said, I want to be straight with you about what's to come. You can expect scourging. You can expect trials and death and hatred and persecution from people. How's that for a locker room pep talk to get the troops ready? Yet to their credit, none of them fainted. None of them defected. And maybe they didn't because of the fresh memory of Jesus flexing his muscles in a graveyard that they were witnesses to. I'd like to remind you this morning of one of the most ultimate displays in the New Testament of good versus evil. It's found just a couple of chapters prior, maybe a week, maybe two weeks prior to the passage we read a few moments ago in Matthew 10. Matthew writes, when he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. And they were so violent, no one would pass that way. What do you want with us, Son of God, they shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? I think it's interesting that time and time again in Scripture, the most immediate and most dramatic reaction to the Son of God came from demons. Like these who recognized Jesus immediately. But I think many of you are aware that these invisible evil beings who take up residence in a host body, they were followers of Satan. These two men are demon-possessed, and Matthew is quick to point out that consequently, they were exceedingly violent. And they were exceedingly bloodthirsty. So, can we just take a moment and note the source of all violence? That's the devil. He created it, he distills it, and he distributes it. And scripture tells us he was resentful of the fact that he did not get the only throne of the universe. He was resentful of the fact that the angels don't worship him. And so he knows his time is short and he knows that he will be ultimately punished. And that is why he is on a war path of violence to draw all that he can into a whirlwind of fear. He prompted Cain to kill Abel. And he's prompted every murder since then. So it's no coincidence that the demons of the Gadarenes in this story are exceedingly violent. That's their nature. And so people walked in wide circles around that particular cemetery to avoid them. But, not Jesus. Last week we saw he had to go through Samaria, a place that that a lot of folks stayed out of. Not Jesus. Jesus had to go to this cemetery. I guess it seems he's always going to people others make a wide circle around, isn't he? 
I want you to notice this morning that he marches in, though, like he owns the place. The demons react as if they've ex- never expected to see the Son of God here, not in the devil's digs. You see, this was a sign of Galilee known for pagans and derelict Jews. Most people, as I said earlier, avoided this place. Jesus didn't, however. Did you notice it seems like the demons and Jesus needed no introduction? That may be because they've battled somewhere before. And so when the demons see Jesus, they note they have no interest in a rematch. They didn't even threaten a fight. And there may even be a little theology in the question, did you come to torture us before our time? You see, they know what's coming. They know they will be cast into the lake of fire. They know when it comes time that they're on a short leash. And they're fully aware of the one who calls the shots being the one standing in front of them. And so they stutter and they stammer and they hem-haw. Um, we know you're going to put it to us in the end, but uh, are you going to give us double trouble in the meantime? Listen to their pathetic appeal. Near that place there was a large herd of pigs feeding. And the demons begged Jesus, If you make us leave these men, please send us into those pigs. I can't believe demons can be polite, but they are. Please, please send us into those pigs. But it does my heart good to see that face-to-face with our Savior, these demons who strut around our planet are reduced to sniveling wimps. The acting as if they control the world that we live in is suddenly put to an end at the appearance of our Lord. Please send us into the pigs. And so Jesus did. All right, go. He didn't need to raise his voice. He didn't utter any kind of incantation. No war dance was done. No exorcism formula spoken. He just simply says one word. Go. I love that. One who sustains this world of ours with one word directs demonic traffic with the same. Go, he said. And Satan's demons had no choice but to obey. And like rats running off of a burning ship, they are out of there. So, would you let that embolden you, church? In a comment on this text from his book, Fearless, Max Lucado writes, you're going to love this. Beloved, please note the authority of our Lord is the balance on which Jesus writes the check of courage and he hands it to you. Love that. The authority of our Lord is the balance on which Jesus writes the check of our courage and hands it to you. That's why he says, do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. That's why Jesus, like Joshua, says, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will go with you everywhere you go. He said, well, Jimmy, how can I be sure of that? Particularly in the wake of what we've just witnessed this week. Because Jesus has seen, and Jesus has confronted, and Jesus can testify to the truth, Satan cannot touch that which will last forever, and that is your soul. Your innermost self, that unique life spirit that makes you you. Once placed inside God's hand, nothing, Scripture says, and snatch you out. Therefore, because Jesus wins the battle of good versus evil, you can win the battle 
of faith versus fear. You can win this battle, church. You can win it. Because by the grace of God, He will deposit within you a wellspring of confidence and courage. It is not His will that I live a life marked by trepidation and fear. It is not His will that I am paralyzed with fear. That's why He moves Paul to say, if God's for us, who in the world could be against us? Can anything separate us from the love of Christ that He has for us? Can troubles or problems or sufferings or hunger or nakedness or danger or violent death No, nothing below us, nothing else in the world will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And the church said, nothing can separate us from his love. And so we're a people of courage, not because of our strength, but because of our Savior's strength. And that courage emerges not from some increased police security. God bless Morgan and Jason. May they both be protected by His heavenly shield. But our courage is not going to increase if we increase police security. No, it's only going to increase with enhanced spiritual maturity. As we trust in the sovereignty of our God and place our lives under His wings of protection, He will prove faithful. Martin Luther King understood this. He chose not to fear those who meant him harm. And there were many who meant him harm. One day as he spent hours waiting at a plane on the tarmac due to bomb threats, he had arrived in Memphis just a day late of his schedule. But he was tired and he was hungry. But once he got off that plane and the bomb threats had been taken care of, he told the awaiting crowd, we have come to some difficult days ahead. I can assure you of that. But it doesn't matter to me now. I have been to the mountaintop. And I don't mind. Like anyone, I would love to live a long life. Longevity has a place, but I am not concerned with that now. I just want to do God's will. And he has allowed me to go up to the mountain, and I have looked over, and I have seen the promised land. And I am happy tonight. I am not worried about anything. I am not going to fear any man because my eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. 24 hours, he would be dead. But the people who met him harm fell short of their goal. They took away his breath, but they didn't take away his courage. And they certainly didn't take away his faith. Now, for a time, they may have put an end to his body's existence, but they did not put an end to his soul. That's never stopped living. Sister, please, please hear me. Look at me. Do not be afraid. Please. Those who are evil have little chance of harming you if you aren't already a victim. The scripture warns, fearing people is a dangerous trap. And it is. But you trust the Lord. You trust the Lord because that means safety. Remember, please, His angels are going to guard you. Remember, please, He is your refuge. Remember, please, He is your hiding place. Remember, please, He is your fortress. If... The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What in the world can man do to me? Amen? Now, we're not foolish. We're not going to be naive. None of that warrants me being reckless or stupid with my life. We will use common sense. But what we won't do is be paralyzed by worry and fear. 
We will not cave into terror. We will walk by faith and not by sight. That will be our chosen thing for this church's life. You see, our Savior Jesus warned us in the final days, persecutions of Christians are going to increase. Please hear me. Jesus said it himself, persecutions of Christians are, is going to continue to increase. He was straightforward with his disciples, and I'm going to be straightforward with us this morning. He writes in Matthew 24 and verse 9, Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. And at that time, many will turn away from the faith, and they will betray, and they will hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. And because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Wow, what an irony. That when Sutherland Baptist Church was terrorized and those 26 people were shot, it was a day set apart around the globe for the church to pray for Christian martyrs. Church hatred for Christians still abounds. Make no mistake about it. More Jesus followers have been killed for their faith in the last century, listen to me, than all other centuries combined. The global evangelization, evangelization movement reports that on the average, 165,000 Christians die a martyr's death in a year. That's four times the statistic of over a century ago. Now when you hear that, some of you I know who've got loved ones in some places that are experiencing some very intense persecution or the possibility exists there, it grabs your heart, it grabs mine too. But we need to hear this, in America, proud as we are of our religious freedom, suffering from an increasing anger towards Christians is abounding. Professors publicly mock Bible-believing students, talk show hosts denigrate people of faith, there's a new show coming out this fall called A Year of Living Biblically. Don't you know that'll boost the character and morals of Christians? Not. So don't be surprised, church. Jesus promised that persecution will increase as the end draws near. And he says, as it does, the fragile convictions of many Christians will collapse. The love of many will grow cold, he said. The spiritual stowaways will jump ship. A great many church attenders, as Martin Luther King said, will become pretenders. And what you will see is that they will not only leave the faith, but they will also make the lives of the faithful miserable. You say, well, Jimmy, is that kind of persecution going to come to us in Kerrville? It already has. For some of you, it already has. You felt it at work. You felt it in your neighborhood. You felt it in your family. You felt it at school. Can I encourage you, be prayerful about that, be careful about that, but never be fearful. Never. And if we are ever placed in jail for our faith or alienated in any way because of the convictions of our faith, may God please help you and me remember this counsel of Jesus. Do not fear those who can kill the reputation or who can kill the body or who can kill the family but cannot kill the soul. I hope God blesses all of us with a long, safe, happy life, well into our 80s, 90s, maybe even 100. But what I pray for him most is that he spares us from panic. That we would not be a people who live on the edge, always anxious, always troubled, always looking over our shoulders, unable to rest, always upset. 
This is a time for faith. It's not a time for fear. It is a time for peace, not a time for panic. Now, we will avoid all the Pollyanna optimism. No one is going to be glossing over the brutality of our world. This is a toxic, terror-tainted world. But we'll also avoid the chicken little choir singing, The sky is falling. The sky is falling. Somewhere between blind denial and blatant panic, there has to be a place for the clear-thinking, level-headed, walking-by-faith follower of Jesus Almighty Christ. I believe we can be the calmest kid on the block, not because of the lack of bullies, but because of the faith we have in our big brother. Amen. Now, that takes care of the business we need to do inside for our hearts. What about the outside where our hands can get involved? How can we not just be secure in our faith, but salt and light in our world? Simply this. Please leave here today and find someone who has less than you. And you be there more. Please. Leave here today and you find someone. You may not have to look far who has less than you. And you be there more. You say, well, Jimmy, what do you mean by that? Well, can I show you? Can I show you? There's a group called Mass Mutual who put together a commercial for the Super Bowl. I think it was more than a great commercial. I think it was a great sermon. I invite you to listen to it with me. Guys. Breaking news from Washington as lawmakers face fires continue to allegations of misconduct. Why you look so sad? Tears are in your eyes. How hard is it just to take some time out of your day to give them a ride to school and show them that you support them? Be ashamed to cry. Let me see you through. Cause I see the dark side too. When the night falls on you, you don't know what to do. When disaster strikes to one, we all get together and support each other. That's the nature of humanity. I'll stand by you. I'll stand by you. Won't let nobody hurt you. I'll stand by you. So, you can make it mine. Don't hold it all inside. Come on and talk to me. To call into the nation how great we are and how great we can be. Find someone who has less, and you be there more. 
There's not a person in this room who can't help someone who's being bullied. Not a person in this room who can't help a kid not have to eat alone at lunch. Not a person in this room who can't help someone without a home have one. Or someone who has a broken down home have it repaired. We can all find someone with less and help them be there more. So, I'm praying this morning that this message strengthens your heart by the power and the authority of God. But may our hands be busy being the mercy and the love of our God, because we can do that, church. We're about to sing a song that celebrates that. But if you hear us singing that this battle belongs to the Lord and you feel on the outside looking in, you can fix that by walking down here and saying, I, I, I'd like to get in on that place in God's hand where I am forever secure no matter what. You come find me, okay, and we'll help you get started on that journey. And if you're here this morning and maybe you just got a, little, got a little bit weak on this journey, you need someone to wrap their arms around you and say, could you pray over me and my family? We have a specific battle we need God's help to be victorious over. We want to do more than just sing this at full voice and full volume. We want to be here to be your full support. Let's stay in church and let's sing.